Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So straight in, John 14, this is Jesus speaking. Um, I will just read, read here. The words should be on the screen. Uh, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Everyone say authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So straight away, Jesus is saying, I'm speaking with authority, but it's not my own. I'm speaking of the Father's authority that is in me. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. For I truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. There's power in the name of Jesus. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. And that's talking about someone who has surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, is committed to building his kingdom. It's not saying, hey, I, I want a new car, I want a new house, and he'll do it. It's, that's, I know you want to believe that. But in the context of what Jesus is speaking about here, he's saying, listen, I've, I've called you by your name. And if you submit to me, if you seek first the kingdom, then, then I'll make you effective witnesses in all the earth, in, in your earth, in your sphere of influence, as well as looking after the rest as well. I'll provide for you. Emotionally, physically, all those things will be looked after if you put God first. There's supernatural favor when we put God first. Can you get an amen to that? The problem is some of us don't believe that because some of us haven't tested that or tried that. And so therefore we, we can't be, we don't really believe it because we haven't seen it. And so that's why God's way of doing things is you have faith, you act it out first, and then as you see results, you're like, oh, this works. Then you become, con the confidence you had was right, so therefore you continue on going deeper into trust with God, trusting His voice and realizing God's not out to get me, He's out to show me His glory so that I can show His glory, and that's what Jesus is saying here. I I'm, I've got the Father's glory, the Father's word, the Father's message in me. I'm just relaying that. Now it's our job. We've got Jesus' message in us. We're now just relaying that. And so authority is a big thing. Let me give you an example of why authority is important and it can change the results in which you have. I told a story a while back about 2 a.m. I woke up one night and there was someone banging the door. <laughs> it's never a good sign at 2 a.m. when someone's banging the door. It's dark. I look out the windows. Not, nothing can be seen apart from a, a car with a door swung wide open. It looks like a hit and run. So you know me. I'm a wee bit older now. Got someone to protect in my house. <laughs> got up. Got my baton. Got my sword, picked it up. It didn't. It could be anything. It could be a stand. Didn't matter. But I was going to protect my home with authority. That hey, I'm not playing games here. If you're coming to get me, 
you're going to face resistance. Yeah? But if I, if I rewind back to when I was a small child in my bed, even when people in the house and I heard a creak in the attic, I would have froze thinking that if I could just froze, freeze and cl close my eyes, it'll go away. I didn't have no authority. I didn't really understand that I had any responsibility or could even make a difference in the situation. And so therefore, I was ineffective. I was no, no good to anyone in regards to protection, boundaries, uh, stopping someone getting into the house that shouldn't be there. Whereas in the other scenario, I went out with force. I went out with power. I went out with a belief that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect what God has given me and the people around me. Anyhow, it ended up being the pizza man. He was acting peculiar around the corner. Um, a wee bit weird, but anyhow, it wasn't for us. I was tempted to tell him it was for us at someone else's expense, but I sent him on his way. But my point is authority. See, some of us, we're praying like I was as a child. Oh, please, please don't hurt me. P please, you know, exactly, don't, don't come over me. P please, please don't do that. Maybe if you're in the play, please, please don't hurt, don't push me. Please, please. Uh, uh, and maybe even some of you might freeze. Oh my goodness, what do I do here? I need help. And I think that's just a, as we're growing up, that's, it's a maturity thing. We don't think we have the ability to, or maybe don't have the value system in place to protect ourselves, to see ourselves as worthy, to be treated with respect. Maybe some of you are in relationships and, and that's a problem where you don't have boundaries up and, and so you don't have authority over your own self-worth because you actually don't have any. And so therefore, you don't speak with confidence, you freeze. You let people walk all over you like a doormat. You've seen those people. It's not healthy for you, and it's not healthy for anyone who's with you. Because it's hard to respect someone that doesn't respect themselves. Can I get, are you with me? And so God hasn't called you to be a doormat. God hasn't called you to be a walkover. God hasn't called you to not have confidence. Why? Because faith in its definition is the confidence of things which are not seen yet. God has not called you to have an identity, identity that is flawed, that is worthless, unworthy. God, God thought of you so highly that even though you were a sinner, He sent His Son to pay for you a price that nobody else could pay. He gave His best, His all. But sometimes the problem is authority. Authority, having the understanding that God has not called you to stand down, to stand back from life, to stand down from opportunities because of insecurity, because of fear, because of anxiety. God has actually given you the ability to rewrite the script in your soul. Listen, there's things that you cannot control in life. You can't control people. You can't control most of the circumstances that you face. You can control yourself. You can control how you think. You can control your attitude. You can control what you believe. And honestly, a lot of the problems that you face today and in life and in life to come in the days ahead is to do with how you think. 
It's to do with how you believe. It's to do with your attitude. Can I get an amen? And I'm here to tell you today, you can take a hold of it. God has given you the ability to take a hold. You've got, but you have to start believing you're not that little boy or girl in the bed with no ability, with no strength, with no brains. You, you you, you, We've got to rewrite the script. That no, you have weapons that destroy strongholds. At its word, we were speaking this morning in our, in our pre-service, when, when God was creating the heavens and earth, He just said, let there be light. Authority. He spoke and it happened. See, this power, the power of life and death is in the tongue. The question that I have for you is, what are you saying? Not necessarily to other people, to yourself. And sometimes we are beat up. We are insecure. We, we are flawed on the inside because of no one else but ourselves. Often the biggest enemy that... The, the biggest evil we have to face is ourselves. Because there's a sin nature in us and it doesn't do well when we try to take on life's burdens and weights. It doesn't do well because we were never designed that way to deal with that kind of weight. Hence why we see time and time again within the Scriptures, cast your care upon Him because He cares for you. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. But it's his burden to carry. It's his yoke that's easy, not ours. Some of us are asking the enemy to leave, and it's time for you to command the enemy to leave. Some of you are asking, please don't hurt my family. Please don't. Maybe God is calling you to command. You have no right to take any hold upon my family, upon my kids, upon my friends, upon my, my sanity. You have no place here. In Jesus' name. Maybe it's time that we stop playing games with the enemy and how we see and how we believe and start to command how we see. Not because of it's our own good idea, because God has given us the authority. What do we see? It says, Jesus is saying, you'll probably do greater things than I. But we're not going to do greater things than he until we start to speak a little the way, the way he spoke. He spoke to the crippled man who'd been there for, for decades, get up and walk. Get up, pick your mat and walk. That's not, please can you maybe, if you feel good, if you're in a good mood, can you please maybe get your mat? He didn't say that. Get up, pick up your mat and go. He's talking to the woman at the well. Exposes some of her issues in her life. And he just says, go and sin no more. It wasn't that if, a but, emotions, I feel this way today, I don't feel, don't do it anymore. There's a directness when you have authority, someone's coming, if that guy tried to get in my house, I'd be saying, get out of here. Hello, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> you like this? Why? Because I've got boundaries, and if you come past it, I will protect my boundaries. There's a respect thing. This isn't going to work. If you don't respect, that's why a toxic relationship looks like when there's no boundaries. A toxic school system 
is when there's no boundaries. Come on, Carl, you know you've got boundaries in your classroom. That mobile, I'm telling you, it's a, he runs a, a strict ship. There's order. Why? That's how we function. And if a kid goes over the line, whoa, there's resistance. We're going to have a talk. You mightn't be in this classroom for too much longer because there's authority. In Matthew 4, this is a scenario where Jesus is being tempted to give up his calling, to give up his assignment on the earth. He's been, he's been tested. He's been tempted. There's a snare. He's in the desert. He's going to actually prepare. It's funny how the devil attacks them most often at the point of breakthrough. Interesting that, isn't it? You're maybe thinking, maybe you just became a believer. Oh my goodness, things feel like they've got on worse. You know what's happening? The, <laughs> the same way someone came to church when things went wrong in their life because they realized the flesh is weak and the spirit is willing. Sometimes certain things need to die in our life in order for, the same way the seed has to die in the ground in order for life to come. And so if we, if we navigate those situations with God's authority, we come out better. We come out stronger. We come out prepared. Jesus went into the, into the wilderness. And this is what happens. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Funny that God led him. The Father led him into a time of testing. Because that's what preparation often looks like. What happens when you do your driver's test? It's a test. There's pressure. You're going to get a few minors, hopefully no majors. It's testing. Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the test, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See what Jesus was hungry physically because he'd been fasting. What did the, where did the temptation come? In his physical hunger. He's, he's, he's trying to lure him. Hey, there's some bread. You could turn this into bread. Here's an idea for you. And what was Jesus' response? Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. What I want to, two points I want to make from that. God edifies Scripture above everything else. Scripture's edified, the inherency of Scripture's edified above your feelings, above your ideas, above what you think, above your physical, maybe anxiety, your physical pains of hunger. There was something deeper in Jesus that he was, he was more submitted to the authority of Scripture than he was the authority of his flesh crying out. He, he had dealt with that prior. And so therefore, he was able to, no, I'm going to put this thing to bed quick. The Bible says, the Word of God says, this is Jesus. So I want to bring up a little diagram. I actually taught our core team this on Monday night. Um, so you're getting in on our leadership lessons. I think this is really important for today's world that we live in. And the question is, who is your ultimate authority? When it comes to your belief systems, what you believe, uh, you know, what, what's, what grounds you, what's your anchor? What, what is it? So 
We see Jesus on the left. The Bible was his grounder. It was his anchor. It is written. I'm going to go to the Bible. What's the Word of God said? I've learned it. And so because he's learned it, he was able to fight. The Bible is actually described as the sword of the Spirit. He was able to fight with the sword of the Spirit quickly and expose, snuff out the devil's snare. The temptation, why? Because he knew the Word. And the Word put it to bed. Then we have reason. Reason is a part of life. There's nothing wrong with reasoning, but when it's your authority, it's the bottom line, there's a problem. Because then you start to look to what the culture says. You start to look to what science says. Actually, there's churches now that are letting reason become a leader in their theology. Oh, it just makes sense to us in today's world, in today's culture, because science says this, even though science isn't foolproof. What's this? Science is not an origin. Science is process. It's not an origin because the question you need to ask scientists is, well, where did science come from? And there's no answer unless you believe in someone that created science, created the earth. And so it's, a, it's not a means to an end. It's, it's a middle ground. And so the, if we make that our foundation, we're in trouble. Jesus didn't do that. Experience. So here's another question. If you, your bottom line is experience, what happens in, with people in the church? If they come in, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit in worship today. I didn't feel him last week. I feel him today. What happens is you stop showing up because you don't feel him. Or, or what happens when you're, you're hungry, like Jesus was in the desert, and I really, I'm not vibing with this experience of fasting. I'm not vibing with, um, you know, being hungry. So, hey, at the first chance of bread, I'm in. At the first chance and temptation, I'm in. Why? Because you've prioritized experience over the word. And so what that leads to is weakness. What it leads to is compromise. What it leads to... So be careful when you come to church that you don't let an experience be your foundation. Hey, we want to experience God's presence. Of course. But when you don't, don't panic. God's presence is everywhere. The problem is always us. Is that, this is what I do. When I'm not sensing God's presence, fellow, what have you believed that's wrong? Where have you went off? I start to assess myself because I'm the problem. And it's actually usually an easy fix. It looks like repenting, saying sorry, changing my belief that I'd maybe started to reason with science and the culture started to drag me over. And when I realign that, I'm back. But if, if experience is your bottom line, you know what happens? You end up with the church, everyone's raised their hand in worship and they go out and live like the devil. <laughs> Come on, some of you have experienced that before. You know, everyone's looking so holy in worship. Oh, God, woo! Flags everywhere, woo! And then you see them working Monday and they're an absolute nightmare, full of pride, full of anger, full of disastrous, hypocritical. So we've got to be careful. That's why as a church, we don't preach performance. I'll hope, if I make a mistake, I will say sorry. I'm telling you, that's God's way. If we create a culture that, that it's not based on performance, it's based on what Christ done, we will become more holy because, because we're not aimed for performance. Performance, law-based Christianity condemns, brings shame. It brings a false, fake culture, and it's judgmental. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. And so, 
experience. And then lastly, institution, tradition, the church. What can happen if we're not careful? This is just the way we do it. And even though the Bible says that, or, or, or we're sensing something that God's calling us to do. Oh no, it's just the way we've always done it. Even though, because the message stays the same, but the methods change. And so there's some churches that actually, their hierarchy's been there for hundreds and thousands of years. And they change what the scripture says. They, they think there's this progressive revelation. That's dangerous territory. And actually what happens is the church starts to look nothing like the Bible. They start to add books. Come on, you, some of you probably have some, a type of church coming to mind. Got to be careful. Jesus didn't do that. The scripture was of highest authority. I only do what, he was completely submitted to God's authority. What the Father does, I do. And we must be too. So in the world we live in where there's all kinds of confusion about who we are as people, about the family unit, about all those kinds of things, what does the Bible say? That's our authority. That's where we see God's best. That's how we seek the kingdom first. And we keep it simple. Can I get an amen? Love that. Then it goes on to say, I'm going to finish out here, the last three points, but I'm just trying to set this up and I'm going to talk about how we pray because this is framing everything because often how we pray, please God, maybe if, or, or when we speak about it, God, please make me more confident. What? That's like, uh, uh, I've no authority, I've no strength. You know, we pray those prayers and just hope for the best. It's like a wishful thinking. That's not the authority that God sent his son to die for. Just a wishful prayer. It says in 2 Corinthians 2 and 9, if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, this is the law, the law of Moses in the Old Testament, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Everyone say righteousness. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. The law was a guardian. The law of the Old Testament where they had to make sacrifices time and time again to deal with their sin issue the Bible talks about it as a guardian. It was just a holding place, but now it's more glorious now because Christ has come. You remember, I actually remembered that story where Abraham and Isaac and God had called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Crazy. Why would you ever, you know, it's mad to think God would ask him. But you know what God was actually doing? He was pointing to Jesus. He was saying, hey, we'd need a son at some point to pay the price for humanity. And he spurred him with, with a scapegoat but it was prophetic towards that time when Jesus would come and pay the price for all time. Why? So that God would move the ball forward. It's progress. So now we have authority that they didn't have then. Now we have abilities that they didn't have then. The righteous shall live by faith, the Bible says. It says in Romans 13 and 13 to 14, let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness, not in lust, not in strife and envy, but what's this? Put on. Everyone say put on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So the New Testament way of thinking is to put on Christ. How do we become righteous? How do we feel righteous? How do we have the authority of a righteous person? We put on Jesus Christ. I what am I doing this morning? Just the, way I see, the same way I put my clothes on, I'm putting on Jesus Christ. What does that look like? God, I thank you that you've paid for my past sin. I thank you, God, I'm freed from the present and the future. 
Even though I may sin, make mistakes, God, you give me the ability to learn. I'm righteous because of what Jesus done. I'm putting on Jesus Christ. The shame that holds me back, the fear that holds me back has no grip no longer. I've got authority to move in Jesus' name. I've got authority to have purpose. I've got the authority to welcome people at the front of church even though I know my past. Why? Because of what Jesus done. I've got authority to work in the kids' ministry. I've got authority to speak up here. Why? Because of what Jesus done. Nothing to do with me. And see, you know what that produces? Humility. Some of you might think, oh, I can, it doesn't feel right to pray that I've got, I'm in right standing with God because I know there's flawed parts of me. Exactly. That's why it's righteousness in Jesus' name. That's why you're putting on Jesus. He's, Jesus is our message. He's the centerpiece, the cornerstone. So, so it, when we do things God's way, it always produces humility, trust in Him, and then when things do work out and we do see God use us, when we pray for people in Jesus' name, we see people get healed and we see miracles and all kinds of situations come into function. Who gets the glory? Jesus. But we've got to learn to pray with authority. Hey, God, you've, you've you know, if, say for instance, I give you an opportunity. Hey, can you come and speak? Oh, I'm too afraid of what? <laughs> I, 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 listen, I want to be real. I'm not going to be unreasonable, but I'm trying to, what, what is stopping you? Fear of people. Fear of looking silly. Fear of stumbling over your voice. What if you said to yourself, you know what, in Jesus' name, I'm damned to self right now. I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. I'm putting on Jesus, God. I, I'm going to speak to the best of my ability. I, even though I'm going to feel a wee bit embarrassed, my flesh is dying. I'm going to let the flesh die. I'm going to let my fear of what people think die. I'm going to speak that right now, and I'm going to do it anyhow. Even if I feel feelings of fear, they're not dictating who I am. They're not, they're, they're not my umpire. I'm not coming under that authority. I'm not coming under that slavery. I am, I am chosen by God. Start saying that to yourself a few times. God, you've given me everything that I need to fulfill my mission on the earth today. You've given me everything, that, the strength, the confidence, the words to speak. And every situation, start saying that to yourself because you have the license to do that. God, in this situation, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm surrendering onto your will and I'm going to do my part. I'm going, to go, I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it with excellence, not perfection, excellence. Can I get an Amen. You see how if you started to say, say that over yourself, speak that, then all of a sudden, you know what might start to happen? The flesh will start to die and God's word will start to reign. God's word will start to take precedence. God's word will start to be at the top of the list, but you've got to renew your mind. Until then, you'll be like that wee boy, like I was in my bed, just freezing. And, and when the danger comes and when uh, the enemy comes, you're froze. You've given up your rights, you've given up your authority, and therefore, you're stuck. And I'm telling you, the enemy will steal everything that he can from your life, from your family, from your mind. Everything that's available, he will take. Until you begin to believe what Jesus has given you the authority over. And the beauty about that is once you start to see God's hand on your life, then you speak more. You share more. You invite more. 
you have more joy in your soul. But you've got the authority. So how do we pray? I'm going to finish here. It says in James 5 and 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much as Dylan comes forward. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What does that really mean? In another version, in the AMPC version, it says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So, number one, an effective prayer isn't based on our own authority, but the authority of the written word. Jesus was the word that became flesh. So you're never basing it on how good you think you are or how well you've done this week because you wouldn't pray half the time if you'd done that. You come to God in prayer not because of your performance. And the weird thing is when you operate under God's grace, you'll always outperform your ability to perform under the law. (laughs) It's a weird thing. You'll outperform it every day of the week when it's about heart. An effective prayer isn't based on your own authority, but the authority of the written word. God just wants you to be real. The authority's there. You don't have to perform for God. You don't have to wait until you've had a good week before you can pray. You pray despite your week, despite your flaws, despite your sin. That's the authority you have. And if you get close to God, God will change your heart. God will fill you up. God will give you confidence. God will give you everything that you need to get through the day, to get through the week, to get through the assignment, to get through the obstacle, to get through that thing that makes you so scared you're shivering your boots. God wants to help you, to change you, to empower you, to renew you. Can anyone give me an amen to that? Secondly, a fervent prayer is a glorifying prayer because a fervent prayer is a a repeating prayer, a persistent prayer. It's a prayer that says, God, I need you every day of the week. I need you every moment of every day. If I'm going to be all that you've called me to be, I'm going to have to continue to speak with you and to pray without ceasing. But not just our airy-fairy prayer, a prayer of God, God, thank you that you've given me everything that I need today. I'm going to remind myself. The Bible says in in the book of Psalms that David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? He spoke with authority. God, look after my enemies. God, you're above the whole earth. Give me some perspective. You're bigger than this situation that my heart shakes in. God, help me to take up the sword of the Spirit. Help me to learn your word and to use your word that when the enemy comes to destroy, to distract, that I I have it available. That I'm not wasting time arguing back and forth. No, go. It is written. And lastly, a righteous prayer isn't based on our own righteousness. Oh, sorry. Yes, a righteous prayer isn't based on our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus. Your right standing, listen, if we can get this into our brains, in our minds, in our souls, it will change how you pray. It will change when you pray. And then once you get private prayer sorted, I'm telling you, it will change how you act in public because private prayer 
equals public power. And when I'm talking about public power, I'm not saying you go steamroll people. I'm saying you go and then you're able to say, hey, would you like to come to church sometime maybe? Hey, I, I had this thought while I was in prayer and this is what I, I, I see real potential in you. And yes, you might feel nerves initially, but hey, I'm, we're not gonna bow down to the fear. We're gonna let faith rise up. And how do you do that? You speak faith. Faith isn't, uh, I think it might, maybe, please God, not sure. No, I believe in Jesus' name, God, you've got my, my days ahead ordered. They're ordered of the Lord. I'm gonna, that's a faith prayer. God, I believe my days are ordered of you. God, I thank you that you do love me. Authority. It's not a question. God, I thank you because of what you did on the cross. You showed your love for me. I'm gonna tell my soul again, remind my soul that I am loved. I am valuable. God, I, God, you have called me to be your hands and feet. God, you've got purpose in me. And so God, guide me in, into your purpose. God, help, help me to say yes to your call. Help me not to the bow, to the, bow at the feet of fear, of enemies, destructive thoughts. God, I declare that I am an overcomer. And so maybe it's not time to kind of ask the enemy to leave. Maybe it's time to declare that the enemy should leave. Let's go ahead and stand. Just like that song we sang there, but seek in first the kingdom. It says in Matthew 6 and 33, seek, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness. His righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. It's an incredible system that God has set up. And the beauty about the system is you can't bypass relationship with God. The only way to all these things shall be added unto you is submission and relationship, renewing of the mind, break the chains that have haunted you for way too long. You can still do it. I don't care what age you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've lived with fear, anxiety, or, or, or unhealthy cycles. Today can be the day that you take the authority up and you don't bow to the feeling. You don't bow to the experience that's just dysfunctional. And you've seen the fruit of it. That's how you know. You know something by its fruit. If there's something in your life that keeps repeating and causing destruction, it's not of God. It's dysfunctional. And that's why we grind ourselves on the word and not on experience. But listen, the experience will come and change when you grind yourself on the word. A new experience will come. A new day will come. Dead bones will come to life in the desert when we surrender to God's word. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.